0: Good morning. My name's Rick Carter, Director of Alumni and Church Engagement, and more importantly, I'm an alum of this great institution. It's weeks like these that uh, alumni come back, our alumni and friends, and they celebrate the mission from generation to generation of this great institution. And so it's a joy to be in worship with you today and to watch you worship. Would you allow me some liberty this morning? We have some special guests with us today that have joined us. We have about 100 or so that will be joining us for lunch and several have joined us for chapel today. But these are our alumni and friends that have joined us as donors of this great institution. They have sacrificially given so that we could have scholarships for students here to make Indiana Westland and your experience here a more affordable place. Would you just allow me to say thank you and would you join me and say thank you to our guests. Our speaker today is a church planter. He is from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. He is the lead pastor of a church called Ransom. Their mission is setting captives free. I love that. Phil is married to Stephanie and they're both with us this weekend. We're delighted they could be here. They have three children, Trinity, Truitt, and Tucker. Phil and Stephanie met when they were in college. And Phil told me that it was Stephanie who knew first that they were to marry. As he said, she listened to God before he did. Well, thankfully, you listened to the Lord as well. They have been married now 16 and a half years. Pastor Phil is also on campus this week to receive a Distinguished Alumni Award with Wesley Seminary. We're glad that we could honor you at Friday night, and Dr. Wright will be giving you your certificate Uh, for that. Phil is a graduate through our sister school, Oklahoma Wesleyan University, where he did his undergrad, and he completed his master's in ministry degree through our very own Wesley Seminary. As you see Phil and Stephanie around campus, it's my understanding that they love coffee. Now, they are really simple. It's a fresh brew with no additives, So if you were so kind as to swipe them through every time you see them, I don't think they would mind at all. Let's caffeinate them this week. He loves his church people. He loves the Lord. Each week, our office has the opportunity to honor and to recognize individuals who are pastors and ministry leaders as pastor of the week. And this week, we have decided to bestow that honor on Pastor Phil, who's with us this week. We will be writing up a story. In fact, it'll be tweeted on our alumni at IW Alumni, and you can also download the app and read his story. We encourage you to do that as you have opportunity to get better acquainted. I don't know about you, but Phil has a life verse, a scripture verse that has meant more to him than any other verse. And his is from Romans 8:38 and 39. He encourages you to read that sometime and to even have your own life verse. But he says about that verse, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Being someone who has tried to run from God's call, I am thankful for his unending grace and love. Please help me welcome our pastor today.
1: Well, it is a privilege to be here. Uh, I told these guys when they interviewed me, uh, there are probably a list, the list of people who deserve this uh, more than me is long, like really long, longer than the list of, of people who don't. Um, and so I'm, I'm humbled and honored to be here. Uh, we love Indiana Wesleyan. We have several of your students in our residency program. Jake Thurston uh, is a second year resident with us. He's here, actually. Uh, and uh, Alexa Day is with us as a resident Uh, We're going to be here recruiting for that residency in a couple weeks, so be looking for that. But if you want to talk residency, come see me, come see Jake after chapel, and we'd love to have a conversation uh, about that. Uh, I was talking to Dr. Bray and, and his office about the theme of chapel, and when he said that the fall theme was choices matter, I thought, man, there probably could not be a more relevant topic, both culturally based on, I mean, what is happening in our world right now, and in the college environment. Uh, where so many students make so many uh, life decisions, and so I knew almost immediately uh, when I knew the theme what I would uh, share. And so today's sermon is entitled "How to Stop Being Stupid." Um, it came from a, a series that we did called Wisdom, Dumb, Quit Being Dumb," you know, uh, where we look closer at what it means to be wise. You know, where does wisdom come from? How do you make wise choices? And one of the best ways to tell where wisdom is lacking in our, our society, particularly is on the warnings that we place for ourselves as human beings on the products that we buy, right? Uh, anytime there's a warning on a package or on a label, you can, you can take it to the bank, someone actually did that stupid thing. Right? If they hadn't, there wouldn't be a warning there. And so when you read those, you know someone was actually this dumb. Okay? And so as we start today, I want to look at some warnings uh, on—these are actual warnings on products. Uh, and the hardest part was not finding products to use. The hardest part was choosing between all the amazing options. Uh, so I just chose a handful. Uh, there's an iron out there by the Rowetna Iron Company that has a warning on it that says, do not iron clothes while they are being worn. Okay? Um, Nitol. Nitol is a sleep aid. You're supposed to use it to fall asleep, and it has a warning on it. May cause drowsiness. I hope so, you know? Uh, Similarly, the Duraflame fire-starting log, it's supposed to make a a fire start quickly, has to have the warning on it. Warning, risk of fire. You know, like this this is flammable. Um, And then I don't want to know who the, the guy or gal was that did this, but on the side of a package of firecrackers, flammable. Now, this is the fun part. Do not put in mouth. Like... I don't know how that happens, you know? Um, uh, You guys are college students, so you probably love the easy cheese, you know, in the can, the squeeze cheese. Uh, Warning, uh, for best results, remove cap, okay? You don't have to raise your hand if that's you, if you've done uh, uh, But my favorite, or or no, excuse me, iPod. When iPod first came out, the shuffle doesn't have a, it's a warning, do not eat. Like, I don't don't know, you know, what's going on there. but then my favorite was on a pair of Superman pajamas. Uh, warning, wearing does not enable you to fly, you know? <laughs> so how many of you, I do wanna see you raise your hands, you've done something stupid, like ever, okay? Um, you know, It may be as simple as not taking the lid off of the easy cheese, it might be something as serious of trying to fly in your Superman pajamas when you can't. Uh, but you ever heard that saying, hindsight is twenty twenty. It's easy to look back, isn't it? And, and to look at the mistakes that you've made and know you should have done something differently? That is not wisdom, that's knowledge. Wisdom is what makes you do it differently the next time. Or better yet, do it differently before learn from other people's mistakes. Theodore Roosevelt said this, wisdom is nine-tenths a matter of being wise in time. Most of us too often are wise after the event. In other words, we've all had those what were we thinking moments, you know, those moments where you were blinded by peer pressure or, or whatever the thing is and, and, and what, worried about what people think about us. And so we base our decisions on everything but wisdom. And then we look back in disgust at that person we dated. <sighs> what was I? You know, uh, we remember with regret that decision we made we replace mistakes in our head and beat ourselves up over and over again. And, and if we could go back, there's so much we could change. And, and we, what do we say to ourselves? You could probably fill in the blank. We say, what was I thinking? Yeah, what was I thinking? Or I, I should have known better. And we say these things to ourselves. but let me, let me help you understand. Knowing better is not enough. Say, there's a saying out there, knowledge is power. I disagree. I think knowledge is potential power. I don't think that knowledge actually becomes powerful until knowledge becomes wisdom. It doesn't become powerful until we take that knowledge and apply it to our lives. We live in a world with more knowledge than ever. Are we any wiser for it? I mean, you can get on the internet right now, you can Google something, and in 1.6 seconds, you can have millions of pages of knowledge and information at your fingertips. But that doesn't make us wise. James Emery White wrote a book called Meet Generation Z. And in that book he talks about how we have an entire generation of parents who felt smothered by their parents when they were kids and so they went the opposite way, they overcompensated and they just took their hands off completely with their kids. And they did it at the exact same time that we put a smartphone in all their pockets. Which means we have an entire generation that has unlimited access to information but no one teaching them what to do with the information. And the result is we have a generation that has the knowledge level of adults, but the maturity of children. How dangerous is that? And that's today's topic, how to stop being stupid. Now listen, you're not supposed to say that. Your mom was right. Don't call people. There are no stupid people. There are just stupid choices. And that's what we're looking at today. How can we apply the knowledge that we have, take it, actually apply it in a way that we live wise lives? Now the Bible tells us there are are really only two kinds of people in the world. There are wise people and there are foolish people. And do you know what differentiates them? What differentiates them is what they do with what they know. The wise person sees the danger and avoids it. The fool also sees the danger and goes headlong into it and suffers consequences as a result. So to set the stage for where we're gonna go in the next few moments, just three key things you need to know about wisdom. First, wisdom is a lifestyle. Okay? You have to choose to apply wisdom every single day in everything you do. Just because you made a wise decision once doesn't mean you're always going to make a wise decision. Second, wisdom is available. God is not stingy with his wisdom. If you seek it, you will find it. Second or third, wisdom is found in fearing God. And fear here is really talking about awe and respect. It it, it is, uh, we believe God is who he says he is. We believe he will do what he says he will do. Any person that's like that in your life, they, they, they are who they say they are, they do what they're saying they're gonna do, guess what, you have respect for that person. That's a man or a woman of their word. I would argue this is what's broken in most families. I talk to parents, they come to me, they say my kids are out of control, my kids don't respect me. And quite often it comes down to this issue. Your kids don't respect you because they don't believe you are who you say you are. They don't believe you'll do what you said you'll do. Well, I know dad. You know, he said that he'll never follow through. I, I know mom. You know, She lets everything slide. Maybe you're f- too familiar with this in your own family. But that's how many people approach God. Ah, he's not re- I don't really believe he's going to carry through. I mean, I don't really believe he's sovereign. I know what the Bible says. I don't really believe that. But wisdom is having awe and respect for God. It's saying, you know what? He says he'll do this, I believe that. He says he's like this, I believe that. That's where we're gonna jump into scripture. Turn to Proverbs chapter four, if you will. Uh, We're gonna dive into Proverbs and see if we can discover how do we stop being foolish? How do we start living wise lives? So Proverbs chapter four, starting with verse four. And it says this, my father taught me Take my words to heart. Follow my commands and you will live. Get wisdom, develop good judgment. Don't forget my words or turn away from them. Don't turn your back on wisdom for she will protect you. Love her and she will guard you. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do and whatever else you do, develop good judgment. This is a conversation happening between King Solomon and his dad, King David. And when Solomon was a young boy Long before Solomon, you know, the whole story we read about Solomon where God says, ask me for anything you want, and Solomon asked God for wisdom, and you're like, man, that was such a good, well, how did he know to do that? Long before that, this is what his dad was teaching him. Solomon, whatever you do, get wisdom. He goes on in verse 7, he says, wisdom, it's the wisest thing you can do. Some translations say wisdom is supreme. Before you do anything else, he says, no matter what it costs, chase wisdom, Why is this the wisest thing to do? Well, the answer is because of where wisdom comes from. Psalm 111 verse 10 tells us that the fear of the Lord is the foundation of true wisdom. All who obey his commandments will grow in wisdom. So today is about uh, the pursuit of wisdom, key being this is a pursuit, okay? There's never gonna be a point in your spiritual journey where you get to go, I'm done, I know everything, I'm completely wise, you know? Now, God has mastered wisdom. He knows, there's nothing, nothing has ever occurred to God. You know, he was never like, oh, I never, I never thought of that. You know, God, God knows everything. He's, But we can get wiser all the time. I hope we are getting wiser all the time. I hope that's why you're here. But most people think when they become a Christian, this stuff doesn't apply to us anymore. But, but let, me, let me be the bearer of bad news. Just because you're a Christian doesn't make you a wise person. Do you know any Christians who make stupid decisions? yes. Have you ever been a Christian who makes stupid decisions? I mean, you know, I mean, this is not a shock to us. You ever met someone, though, and they make a bad choice, and every Christian around them jumps all over them? Oh, I thought they were a Christian. Why would they make a choice like that? I'll tell you why. Because they're foolish. Because they're human. There are foolish Christians out there, and every Christian is sometimes foolish. You know, I have three children, as I mentioned. Uh, uh, Trinity is 14. Truett is 12, about to be 13. Uh, Tucker is going to be three this uh, this month, okay? Uh, Now, you don't have to be a parent to answer these. When Tucker was a baby, where did we lay him to sleep? In a crib, okay? Why? To keep him safe. Safe from what? Himself, (laughs) okay? Uh, Tucker is a toddler now. If left to himself, he would self-destruct, Like, he really would. If left to himself, he would fall down the stairs, he would put his finger in a light socket, start the house on fire, and that's before lunch. That's just before lunch. Why? Because he doesn't have wisdom yet. When we put our faith in Christ, Scripture says we're born again. We're spiritual babies. This thing is a faith journey. We need to grow in wisdom, which is why we, in 1 Corinthians 3, we see Paul lamenting as he writes this. He says, dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I, wanted, as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk as though you belonged to this world, as though you were infants in Christ. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger, and you still aren't ready. Paul is saying, where is your wisdom it's time to grow up spiritually. You cannot be a spiritual baby forever. The goal of the spiritual life is not to coast through life as a spiritual infant on the backs of other people. It's to grow in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and men. So today I want to give you some principles for pursuing wisdom, okay? And the first one is this. Desi- you have to desire wisdom with all your heart. You've got to actually want it. Let's look at Proverbs 4 verse 8 if you prize wisdom, she will make you great. Now listen to this, embrace her and she will honor you. How much do you want godly wisdom? Do you prize her? Do you honor her? Do you embrace her? To prize something highly is to have a strong and intense passion for it. it, is to want it, to value it more than anything else. It's to go after it with a single-minded focus. Now, I wanted to illustrate that single-minded focus for you. Listen, do you prize wisdom? Do you go after it with a single-minded focus? What will it take to make a wise decision? You have to actually want to. You go a couple chapters back in Proverbs 2, verses 3 through 5. He says, cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver. Seek them like hidden treasures. Then you'll understand what it means to fear the Lord, and you will gain knowledge of God. He says, search for wisdom as you would for silver. If I told you right now, outside in the in the in the lobby area out there, there was a big box of money, hundred thousand dollars just sitting there, you would all get up and leave. Like you would have no problem disrespecting me or chapel or what you'd be like Psh, gone, you know. And, and we might even hear you on the way out the door, man, if I get that hundred thousand dollars, it'll solve all my what? Problems. As if that's ever happened. All money does, for the most part, is make our foolishness show. And yet we still seek for it. Here it says, what if you sought wisdom the way that you usually seek wealth? This is about how much worth we give to wisdom. Do we want wisdom more than wealth? When we do, it shows what we know about God. It shows that we know that he is who he says he is, and that he'll do what he says he'll do. There's a story out there about Socrates, He had a student who came to him seeking wisdom, and and Socrates uh, took the student to the lake shore, and they they wandered into the, the water about this deep. And without warning, Socrates grabbed the guy and just pushed his head under the water and just held him there. The guy struggled for a while. He let him up, took a breath, pushed him back under. Did this like three, four, five times. Finally, the guy came up, and he's screaming, I need air, I need air. And Socrates paused, and he said, when you want wisdom as badly as you want air, you'll have it question is, how badly do you want wisdom? For most people, the answer is, not that bad. Because the problem, you see, with wisdom is wisdom tells you the truth. Most people don't want to pursue the truth. That's why they don't pursue wisdom. You want to know the truth about your life? You want to know the truth about the guy or the gal that you're dating? Your relationship? You want to know the truth about the priorities in your life and what you're chasing? If you do, wisdom will lead you there. It will open your eyes to what God wants you to see, but you have to really want it. And most people don't. How do I know? Because they never ask for it. So that's the first priority. Second priority, you have to ask for wisdom. That's the thing. They never even ask. You have to ask for wisdom. Proverbs goes on, verse 5 and 6. Get wisdom, develop good judgment. Don't forget my words or turn away from them. Don't turn your back on wisdom for she'll protect you. Love her and she'll guard you. See, getting wisdom is as easy as asking for it. None of us are born wise. We have to ask. We have to learn. But God will willingly give it to anyone who asks. James chapter 1 verse 5 tells us, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he'll just give it to you. He won't rebuke you for asking. At the beginning of the message, I talked about Solomon and how he asked for wisdom. He could ask for anything, but he remembered his dad's advice and he said, I want wisdom. And God was so pleased he gave him wisdom, but he threw in everything else. My question to you is, what do you usually ask for? Andy Stanley wrote a book called uh, The Best Question Ever. And to boil the entire book down to one idea, it's that we usually ask for the wrong thing because we don't know what we're asking. We, we've all done dumb stuff. We, we, we all have regrets. No one plans to mess up their lives. Still happens. And the reason is we were asking for the wrong things. And so Andy Stanley says, the best question ever is this. In light of my past experiences, or you could just say my past mistakes, in light of my present circumstances, in light of my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? Really, all he's doing is rephrasing Solomon's question. God, will you give me your wisdom? What if instead of always having to ask God to fix our mistakes, we ask for the wisdom not to make them in the first place? Give me the wisdom to live in the right direction. Which leads to number three. The only way you can do that, get into God's word. Get into God's word. Verse 13, Proverbs 4. Take hold of my instructions. Take hold of them. Don't let them go. Guard them, for they're the key to life. We're to take hold of God's word. The best place to find the wisdom of God is in the word of God. And the rest of the chapter goes on to describe two different paths that are before us. There's the path of the wicked and the path of the righteous. There's the path of the fool and the path of the wise. And the difference maker between these two paths is the wise do not lose sight of God's word. I mean, this book, this is the wisdom of God. It's where it comes from. It is our manual for life. It covers everything. If you're not happy with your life, look to the Word of God. I, listen, I've never regretted one time doing what God's Word says. Now, now pause. I have resented what God's Word says, but that's just because I didn't like it. I didn't want to obey it, not because it wasn't right. There's lots of things I read in God's Word, and I'm like, really? Come on. I've resented it, but I've never regretted it. You want to know how to succeed in life? It's in there. You just might not like the plan. You want to know how to make your marriage work? It's in there, but you might not like it because you can't be selfish. You want to know how to handle money? It's in there. Nobody likes that one, right? You want to know how to manage conflict? It's in there. And so I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you to read a proverb a day for 31 days. It would take you one month to go through this entire book. If you follow through all 31 days, you will be wiser at the end. Never in my life have I ever said, I wish I wouldn't have obeyed God's word. But the other way around is true. There's lots of times I've said, man, I wish I would have listened. I wish I would have listened. I mean, we're broken people. Can we agree? We have made bad decision after bad decision And God has said, you know, I have wisdom for you, you just need to study it. And when you do, it will give you God confidence. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. A little context for that passage. Joshua is writing at a time of new beginning because uh, the generation before him, they came to the promised land. Instead of leaning into God's wisdom, they relied on their own and decided, we're not strong enough. We're not big enough. We can't take the promised land. And God said, since you chose not to listen, you don't get the promised land. And they had to wander for a generation. Now we have a new generation. All the previous generation has died off. They're hoping for a new beginning. They're hoping for a new outcome. Let me ask you a question this morning. What is your new beginning? You're all in college right now. Uh, Different world from from growing up in your parents' house, full of new challenges, lots of opportunities, lots of temptations. How do you stay wise? You look to God's word. Uh, Maybe you're engaged to be married. Congratulations. Good luck. I am more in love with my wife after 16 years than I have ever been. And that didn't happen on autopilot. My marriage is full of challenges and changes and decisions and first-time choices. How do you make wise ones alone, much less with another human being? How do you you look to God's Word? Maybe you're here today, and, and by the grace of God, you're in this room, but the road was tough. You have a history, you have a past of not so great choices, and you want this time to be different, and you live every day scared that it's not going to be. And you don't know how to make it different, how to make sure it's different. I'll tell you how. Look to God's Word. Listen, you are only wise to the level you are in the Word. Maybe you don't know this book very well. You need to get in here. You need to learn this. You need to become wise this is why the school does chapel you know three times a week and and extra things and but but the reality is most of us simply don't know this book and no matter how many chapels you attend you'll never get to where you need to be compared to if you would just take 10 minutes a day either before bed or when you get up uh, you're in college so probably when you get up and just read a proverb a day just begin to dive into the gospels begin to dive into the word, begin to apply this truth to your life, you will learn to live a wise life. What you may not realize is ultimately when you pursue wisdom, you're actually pursuing Jesus. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24, verse 30, it says this, but to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, listen, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. Listen, the more you grow in your relationship with Jesus, the wiser you will become. If you want to pursue wisdom, if you you want to be wise, you have to pursue Jesus. Anybody here want wisdom? What you really want is Jesus, because he is the wisdom of God. He's the word of God. He's the truth of God. He's the hope of God. If you want wisdom, seek more of Jesus. Let me pray for you. Oh, Father God, choices do matter. They matter so much. And the people in this room are, pre- are in a stage of life where they're gonna be presented with some of uh, the biggest choices they've ever made. They're gonna make more choices in this season of life than maybe they've made in the previous 18 years of life about their future, about the life they will live. They, they are literally laying a foundation for their future. And to do that without the wisdom of God is dangerous, scary. Would you, help, would you help the students in this room lean into you? Lean into your word, lean into your wisdom, and trust you to guide them? Lord, when when the whole world says one thing, but the wisdom of your word says another, would you help us bend our life to your word and not your word to our lives? And would you make us wise? I pray in your name, amen. God bless, guys. Have a good homecoming.